0: I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We are blessed in this congregation to have uh, a lot of kids, especially in our elementary age um, you know, group and down. We're blessed to have a lot of young people there. And one of the things we like to do is have activities for the kids every once in a while. And this Sunday is one of those days after services. Um, we're having Kids Day. And what we do with that is parents or guardians of the kids that are here um, can go to the fellowship hall after services. We have a lunch provided. Um, we'll eat lunch together. Then the kids go and do a little craft while the parents get to hang out kid-free for about 30 minutes. We come back in together. We say a prayer and go home in time for nap. So if you've got a kid that's elementary age or preschool age here in the congregation, please stick around for that. Um, the Noah Hackworth Care Group is in charge of the lunch, and they're hosting this event. So stick around for that. This morning, though, what I want to do in our lesson is I want to continue along a certain vein of thought that we started down Last week, remember, we discussed, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made this universe. He made the world as we even see it now. And we talked about how God created the Garden of Eden and and he placed man in the garden and he and he provided for man in the garden. But yet at the same time, while he was there, God also gave man law. One of the laws or actually the only law really there in the garden was don't eat of that tree. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but as we read, man did. Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, and sin entered into the world, and with sin came the consequences of sin. And we find out now that man has a need for redemption, but as we saw, redemption is promised. We talked about that even way back then in the garden, God looked forward to and predicted that there was going to be a time where Satan's head would be crushed. Basically the idea of Satan's going to bruise Christ's heel, he's going to cause some pain, but Jesus is going to have the final death blow there against Satan. And we saw that because of that, there is hope for the future. But think if you would that you're Adam and Eve or Adam and Eve's descendants and you have this promise in the back of your mind. This promise that, okay, in the future there's going to be Someone who's going to be born who's going to ultimately redeem mankind. When's it going to occur? Right? I mean, that's the question that would have been on everybody's mind, or or what's it going to be like? Because in all reality, when you look through the Old Testament, they didn't have much revealed of the exact nature of how it was all going to occur. Now, there's glimpses in different things, but especially in the book of Genesis, they're looking forward to a future hope that. They don't even fully understand. In fact, we even talked about, you know, before that over there in, in the letters that Peter wrote, that angels are looking into observing how redemption is going to happen. Well, the big question that would have been on everybody's mind then, from Adam and Eve onward, is when is this redemption going to happen? When is the Messiah going to occur? Going to arrive? And when is this final act of redemption going to occur? So what I want us to do today is we're going to look, and it's going to be a little bit of a deeper lesson than what we normally maybe do on a Sunday morning. I want us to look into some of the predictive prophecies that are in reference to Jesus. What kind of insight did God give his people before Jesus? What hints did he give them? What glimpses into the future? What things to look forward to? And what we begin to see as we go through the Old Testament, you're going to see unfold for you prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that let us know and understand the who, the what, the where, the how, the when of of Jesus. Even before Jesus appeared, even before born of a virgin there in the manger and all of that, there was prophecies that predicted his arrival. In fact, they occurred hundreds of years beforehand. Jesus was predicted and as we look through these different prophecies this morning you'll begin to see that each one of these prophecies provides a glimmer of hope for mankind when man is hurting here's hope for the future when when man is struggling here's hope that there's going to be redemption when sin keeps influencing the world here's hope for the way that sin can be taken care of and all along through that you see God's foreknowledge you see his power of inspiration and you see the accuracy of Scripture as each one of these prophecies is unveiled and then later fulfilled. And whether or not you even hold to the inspiration of Scripture, and I hope you do, and we can study about that later. Uh, if you don't, even if you don't at this moment believe that that Scriptures are inspired, I think what you'll see as we go through these passages that. There's something supernatural here in the fact that hundreds of years before the events occurred, they were predicted. And even if you don't hold to the accuracy of Scripture, even the most greatest skeptics would say that the books of prophecy that we're looking at were written before Jesus was born there in Bethlehem. So I hope you have your Bible with you, and we're going to bounce around quite a bit this morning, and I'm going to try to read most of the Scriptures myself out loud because. I know that when you're looking for books of prophecy in Scripture, we have a hard time finding, like, Zechariah. When was the last time you turned there, right? So, I mean, I know that that takes some time. So, I'm going to read some of the passages out loud, too. But I want us to see all these prophecies that had to do with the future arrival of Jesus. So, number one this morning, the prophecies in Scripture let us have an allusion to and understand when the Messiah was going to appear. Look in your Bibles at Daniel chapter 2. In Daniel chapter 2, and see, I'm even cheating. I'm pu- pulling it up on a phone because it's quicker to look it up that way. In Daniel chapter 2, you're going to see a prophecy there. In fact, it is a dream that Nebuchadnezzar has. And in this dream, he has a vision. And Daniel, God's man, is told to interpret that vision. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar has this vision about this great statue. And, and it's kind of strange when you look at it about the different materials that this statue is made out of. But when you get to the part about these different kingdoms, if you look in chapter 2, verse 44, talking about the last kingdom, it says, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, just as it shall stand forever. In Nebuchadnezzar's dream, there is a statue that's made out of Bronze, it's made out of silver, it's made out of gold, and then it has feet mixed with clay and iron and so on. And we know from history, he's talking about the different kingdoms. He's talking about the Babylonian Empire, talking about after that will come the Medo-Persian Empire. This is historical. After that comes the Grecian Empire, the Greeks, you know. And then after the Greeks, the great world power was the Roman Empire. This history records, you know, these various empires and, and their might. And it is predicted that during the end of that last empire there mentioned in this vision, the one that's going to come after the Greeks, the one that's going to come after the Medo-Persians, the one that would come after the empire that was going on in Daniel chapter 2, the Babylonians, during that final empire, the Roman Empire, the Messiah would be born. Because if you look ahead in Luke chapter 2, we are told that that is the very empire in which Jesus was born into. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth, specifically of all the Roman Empire. Here you have Caesar Augustus ruling. It's during Roman reign, and this is when the Messiah was born. That was predicted hundreds of years beforehand. It is also predicted that this Messiah would come from a certain tribe, that he would come from the tribe of Judah. And this is, this is amazing to me because this is even before the books of prophecy. Look back in Genesis, Genesis chapter um, 49, and in verse 10, you have a promise being made here with Jacob. And in um, Genesis chapter 49, in verse 10, it reads, the scepter shall now depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Jacob, way back in Genesis, is predicting that through the line of Judah, remember Jacob had multiple sons, right? He had sons, you know, 12 of them, one of them being named Judah, that through the line of Judah, you would have this ruler coming forth. And when you look at the genealogy of Jesus, like in Matthew chapter 1, you know, usually we skip over the genealogies. We think, well, what's the significance of them? It shows that Jesus is descendant from Judah. It was predicted way back in Genesis, first book of the Bible, written by Moses, that the Christ would come from Judah. Just the appearance of the Messiah alone and the prophecies about that are so amazing how they lay out that God had a plan and that God fulfilled that plan. Well, what else? Well, prophecies of Scripture also let us know what the Messiah was going to be like. We're told that he's going to be eternal. Look at Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. You'll see again how these prophecies are fulfilled. It reads, But you, O Bethlehem, um, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth, For me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from ancient days or from eternity, as other versions say. Look at this. This is two prophecies in here, too. Notice. What town is the Messiah going to be born in? Where is he going to come from? Bethlehem. Now, you might not know much about the story of Jesus, but we've all heard the song, Little Town of Bethlehem, right? We know that that's where he came from. Here you have prophecies that say way back in Micah, before it happened... ...from Bethlehem. You're going to have one come out... ...who's going to be a ruler... ...and who will be as one who is from eternity. That's Jesus. Jesus was existing since the beginning. In the book of John... ...it says that he was in the beginning... ...he existed with God... ...and was God. John 1.1. 1, 1. So Jesus was eternal... But even before the eternal, carnate God came on this earth, you have Micah prophesying that it would happen. We're also told, like in Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7, that he would stand beside the Lord. Basically, the idea that they're going to be one, they're going to be together. And Jesus, in multiple occasions, like in John chapter 10, in verse 30, says that I and the Father are one, right? Again, there's unity between Jesus and Jesus. And the Father. more prophecies about the coming Messiah. We're told that he is going to be compassionate, that he's going to be kind when he deals with people. And that same passage in Isaiah chapter 42 verse 1 through four is quoted again hundreds of years later in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 12 verses 15 through 21, talking about Jesus. How do they know His nature? Was it just circumstantial? Maybe if there is just one prophecy that seemed to be fulfilled in Jesus? But now we have several. Going on, though, you also look at the coming of the Messiah. You find that he is predicted to be perfectly submissive in all things. Let's look at a couple. Psalm 40, verse 8. Here the psalmist talking about the future coming of the Christ says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Look at Isaiah 53, verse 11. And we're familiar with Isaiah 53 as it's often read before the Lord's Supper. But Isaiah 53, verse 11 reads, Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted as righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Jesus humbly and submissively went to the cross and fulfilled the Father's will. Jesus on multiple occasions said he came to do the Father's work. And that's what he did on the cross. Prophecies also tell us how Jesus would die and how he would redeem mankind. And this is where it gets so specific that you know that it has to be guided by the hand of God. We are pre- it is predicted in the Psalms that Jesus would be betrayed by a friend. Psalm 41 verse 9, let's read together. Psalm 41 9. It says, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. We know later that that is in reference to Christ, but you get even more specific in Zechariah chapter 11 in verse 12. It gets even pointed to the very price by which Judas betrayed Jesus. It says, then I said to him, if it seems too good or good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver. You think about how God would guide these prophets here. And how they wouldn't know the exact end result of even the prophecies of what they were predicting. But we know that later that was fulfilled in the fact that Judas, a friend, betrayed Jesus. And he did it for the cost of 30 pieces of silver. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 6 predicts the, um, the fact that he'd be spit upon, that he'd be beaten. It is predicted that in his death, his hands and his feet would be pierced. And that's precisely what happened as we read the crucifixion accounts. And although he would be killed, amazingly, his flesh would not decay and be, he would be raised from the grave. You know, this is what actually Peter quotes in Acts chapter 2. Peter quotes from the Psalms. He quotes Psalm 16 but in Peter's sermon in Acts chapter two, here's how he makes reference to Jesus. And I'll read it to you. Acts chapter two. And in verse thirty one, it says, and he looked ahead. Future, right? Talking about the psalmist looked ahead and he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. That was Jesus. Jesus. Jesus beat death. Jesus rose from the dead. But it was predicted way back in the Psalms that his flesh would never decay. How's that possible? How's it possible that all these people, different people in different cultures at different times. And even at one point, uh, a Babylonian king had it revealed to him, right? The Messiah, because God is guiding all this. God is preparing his people and encouraging his people and giving them hope saying, hang in there, keep following me because in the future, redemption will come. The Christ will come. Predictive prophecy told the world that the Messiah would appear. Now they didn't get all the message of it. That's why we're so blessed now in the Christian age to be able to look back and read the New Testament and know exactly how God redeemed mankind. Those in the Old Testament, yeah, at different times God spoke directly to them. A lot of times he didn't. And other times they had to rely upon the Psalms and the prophets for guidance and for hope. But he gave them hope. He said, in the future, a Redeemer will come. In the future, a Redeemer will come. He will die for you. He'll be born in this way, in this manner. He will be betrayed, but he will redeem mankind ...even the very act of sacrifice that the Israelites engaged in year after year... ...was a prophecy looking forward to the coming of the final Lamb of God, Jesus. Various prophecies time after time again show that the Christ would come. And what we have the blessing of is we can look in Scripture now... ...and we can look back at what was written in the past... And we can look what was written after that. And we can look at even what is predicted for the future. And we can know with certainty that Jesus was the Christ and that scriptures were true. In fact, when you go through the New Testament, you find Jesus and the apostles time after time again quoting these Old Testament scriptures. Because they're one of the greatest evidences for the fact that Jesus was the Christ hey, if he was just born of the tribe of Judah, that's one thing. But he was born of the tribe of Judah also in Bethlehem. Well, that's that's kind of significant, right? Well, not only that, he claimed to be from God. He was able to be submissive to God's will. He was betrayed by a close friend by 30 pieces of silver. He was hung on a cross. His feet and hands were pierced as it was predicted. And not only that, it was predicted that his flesh wouldn't suffer decay. And it records that he beat death and conquered the grave. He didn't die for, you know, for all eternity. He didn't just suffer there in the grave. He rose again. We can read and know that Jesus was the Christ and that scriptures are true when we look at all these prophecies there in the Old Testament. Now, I know that prophecy in general in scripture is difficult to understand. And I know that a lot of people grab things and run with them and do all sorts of crazy stuff. But we can look back at some of these prophecies and see how biblical authors, you know, illustrate and show us, here's what was written over here in, in Daniel, and here's how it's fulfilled in Matthew, and we can make these references and these correlations between the two, because they're there in Scripture, and they're plain to see, and they give us evidence to the fact that Jesus was the Christ. Okay, so what does this lesson mean to us? It means that even in Old Testament times, When it seems like all hope is lost, God kept giving the people hope for the future, and that hope was found in Jesus. In our life, we're going to have times of struggles, we're going to have times of sadness, but the hope that is in Christ is still there. Now, Jesus' redemptive act on the cross has already been completed, but we look forward to the hope of being with him in eternity. And there's also prophecies in the New Testament that talk about what that's going to be like. And that's what we look forward to, and that's what gives us hope, and that gives us purpose and drive and ambition to keep on serving God and serving others because we have hope, and we want them to share in that hope. I hope this lesson has encouraged you this morning to hope in Christ. I hope this lesson has motivated you to trust in the authority and inspiration of Scripture, and I hope this lesson prepares you to understand more the coming of Jesus and what it means because you see how it was predicted and predetermined and prophesied about even way back in Genesis all the way through Malachi. Jesus is predicted. The lesson is yours this morning. If you've never come to him as the Christ, as the son of God, we encourage you to do that today. If you've never been baptized into Christ, we can baptize you for the remission of sins and you can leave here a child of God. If you have a need, why don't you come as together we stand and as we sing.